When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Single Tracks is psyched that Jameis Spikes has come on as a supporter of the podcast and is also a supporter of the website. Jameis has been designing and building quality bikes since 1979, and they were among the first to produce mountain bikes beginning in 1982. The brand has brought the world some iconic and award-winning mountain bikes over the past 40 or so years, and the Dragon has been the soul of the brand for decades. Introduced in 1993, the Jameis Dragon Hardtail delivers the feel that only comes with high-quality steel, and it's done so for nearly 30 years running. The newer Jameis Portal and Hardline full-suspension bikes feature the innovative and race-proven 3VO suspension platform, built into both carbon and aluminum frame options. You can check out this year's all-new Dragon and 3VO bikes, along with the entire lineup of Jameis high-performance mountain bikes at JameisBikes.com. That's JameisBikes.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff, and today my guest is Jeremiah Stone. Jeremiah is a mountain bike skill instructor who has taught hundreds of riders across the Western United States with Ninja Mountain Bike Performance and the Sedona Mountain Bike Academy. He's also a freelance trail builder and machine operator, in addition to being a really skilled rider. Thanks for joining us, Jeremiah. Yeah, pumped to be here, Jeff. Well, tell us a little bit about your background. How were you first exposed to mountain biking? Oh, man. Um, you know, I grew up in the country, so bikes were always a thing. But uh, mountain biking really came around in college. I was uh, going to school in um, down in Fort Worth, Texas, and there was a dirt jump spot that I heard about. And so I, <laughs> I showed up to kind of check that out. And uh, the old guys there put me to work right away, you know, the whole no dig, no ride thing. And um, <laughs> Yeah, I was just, I was in, you know, I had some buddies there and, you know, we enjoyed the dirt and then we got to ride what we built and then, you know, we kind of developed a trail around there. And then, um, I bought a full on mountain bike off of eBay <laughs> and put it in the trunk of my car and drove up to Arkansas for a downhill race and <laughs> had some, uh, had some guys help me build it the morning of the race. And yeah, and I, I dropped in first time and, uh, yeah, I actually got fourth place in that race, so I was hooked. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah, I was pumped. I was pumped. So, of course, I got to follow that up with like I, I DNF like the next eight races from crashes. But uh, oh wow, you know that's not the highlight that we want to talk about. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, college aged, got into it, found that community. Um, you know, and those guys are still some of the best friends I've ever had. And you know, bike, you know, bikes. Um, I tease people all the time. Bikes will. Uh, They'll save your life and they'll ruin it at the same time, you know? So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, those are the best friends I've ever had have come from bikes and they've taken me all over the place. So, you know, I've, I've got a lot to thank, you know, be thankful for through the bike community and bikes itself. So, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you, so you said a lot of those early races, you crashed and you weren't able to even finish the races. Like what, what was that about? Like, were, were you someone who was really willing to like take risks or, or what was it? 
Oh yeah, I mean, I, you know, the the idea of living very long just never really occurred to me, and you know, it was one of those things. I was like, you know, I've got this limited amount of time, and I've got this opportunity. Like, let's go for it. And that was pretty much the extent of my thought process. You know, it was just go faster and give it a shot and see what see what happens. And if it hurts, it hurts, and you know, we heal up and we'll try it again. And um, yeah, it was uh, yeah, made for a rough uh, a rough decade or so, man. Turns out, getting hurt's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, right. That's why most people try to avoid it. But but I guess you learn things in the process. I mean, is that sort of the the main way that you developed your own mountain bike skills? Was it sort of this like trial and error and like, well, that didn't work. I'm gonna I'm gonna try it a different way. Did or did you have a coach? Did you have someone who was kind of helping you along? You know, we were we were all kind of in the in the same boat. Like we were a bunch of Texas guys that just thought mountain biking was cool, and like none of us really had a much of a skill set to speak of. So we were all just kind of out there figuring it out as we go and just having a good time. And, um, you know, being the young guy in the group, I, I got, I got the honor of being the Guinea pig on a lot of things. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just a lot of trial and error. I, I tell people in my clinics now, one of the first things I tell them is that, you know, I'm, I'm congrats to you and I'm glad you decided to show up and, you know, they, they're deciding to not learn things the hard way like I did. And, uh, you know, I just commend them on that every time. Like it's so, such a better process and it makes for such a better lifespan when it comes to, you know, mountain biking and riding as a whole. Mm, yeah. Well, did you have to like, I don't know, relearn how to do things or like, had you gotten to a point in your own riding where you were, you were doing things the right way? Like you had proper technique that you had kind of just stumbled into, or did you have to to, to make corrections once you figured out like kind of the, the right way to do it? Oh, well, I, I kind of stumbled into and figured out and, you know, the hard way and the long way around and definitely the scenic route getting there of, of a, of a basic intermediate skill set, And then, um, you know, from there I, I started realizing like some of the, the bad habits and the good habits and trying to address those. And then, you know, that's about the time that like, some more of the YouTube videos came up. Um, a lot of what I figured out was from watching those, those videos, like the, you remember the collective? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. I used to watch the, uh, the collective every night. So oh, wow. I would, I would watch those guys and just try and like pay attention. Like what are they doing to make them so good? And then, you know, of course in my head, try to emulate that and, you know, just, just try, you know, just try to do things the way I saw them done. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, you know, I've I kind of then started showing up to some events and finding some people that were faster and riding with people that were better than me and learning a lot and and then from there I I just was always willing to be a student. You know, I'm I, I always feel like I can learn something from other people and I you know, I'm glad to soak that up and listen and try it and you know, started doing that and that really helped a lot. You know, I I had bad habits to undo, but you know, I could address them and actually like do something about it. So Plus, like with with some of the big injuries, you know, they they turn into, you know, a big injury can kind of be a, a hard reset for a rider. Mm. So, you, know, you kind of change your mindset, change the way you do things because you're kind of relearning everything every time you come back. So, that was kind of I think that helped too. So yeah, well, as a skills instructor, obviously you see a lot of people who. Uh, have made that decision to say, you know, I want to work on my skills. I want to improve. What What is it that 
draws people to these clinics? Is it, are you seeing more people that are trying to get faster or are people just trying to like add style to their riding or, or some of them like you, you know, they, they keep crashing and they keep, you know, having these issues and, and they want to learn the right way to do it. Yeah. The, the main things, cause I've, I've, I find a, a time in every clinic to ask like, what brings you? And, uh, every time it's like, it's safety and confidence you know, like they want to ride safer and feel safer and they want some confidence. And by confidence, I mean like they want to demystify some of the stuff and actually know what they're trying to do rather than just like guessing at what they're doing and hoping for the best. You know, like they want to kind of, they want to break some things down and figure out like, oh, I should be trying to do this, not just leaning back and hoping for the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so that that's the majority of it is like they want to ride safer, they want some confidence in what they're doing, you know, they're they're you know, they want to keep up with their buddies, you know, that kind of thing. So Yeah. Yeah, a lot a lot of that, a lot of that. Well, do you think today's mountain bikes make it easier to be a good biker compared to maybe some of the equipment that was available in the old days? Sounds like you started out on, you know, pretty basic pretty basic equipment and and you, you know, probably struggled with it, but do you think like today's riders have it a little easier? Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of, um, you know, in our, in our clinics and in our lessons, we, we make sure to never, never bash anybody's equipment or never really talk about it because like, you know, the, the best, you know, is the best you've ridden, Mm. you know, people that have been on new bikes, like they understand how good new bikes are, but you know, you get a lot of people that have never been on a good bike. Like you don't want to tell them how, how much better the new bikes are because then they're, you know, anytime something goes wrong, they blame their bike and it's like, ah, uh, you know, like you know, ultimately the best bike is the one you're on. But, uh, you know, yeah, I think new bikes are, are way more forgiving. You know, it's kind of a double-edged sword because you got to go faster and ride them harder to really bring them to life versus like you get on like an old rigid 26 and, you know, basic trail speed feels like you're just giving her, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, versus like a modern enduro bike, like, you know, you're, you know, it feels like you're just waiting for the trail to get rowdy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, the equipment's amazing. You know, I, I think that's a, a reflection of the progressive mindset of the sport as a whole. And I, I really enjoy it, but, um, you know, I try to keep people from getting too hung up on it. So, yeah. Yeah. A lot of old timers seem to think, you know, I've heard a lot of people say this, you know, like, Oh, you, you know, you really should learn on a hardtail, you know, like that's the way to start out. And I'm curious to know, like, do you, one, do you yourself when you're doing demonstrations and you're in the clinics, like what kind of bike are you on? Are you on like a really blingy enduro bike and showing people how to do things or, or a more basic one? And then also, yeah, what about that? Like is a hardtail a, a better vehicle to learn on before you get into these bikes that are, are more capable? Well, a little, a little personal anecdote there. I, I live in a camper and van setup, and I travel with five bikes and a dirt bike. Oh wow! So, <laughs> I like wow. all the bikes, you know. So, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, for teaching, I I try to, I try to equip myself with something that is relatable for the students. Okay. So like that's usually going to be my trail bike, which is, you know, it was a Santa Cruz Tall Boy, and it's currently an Evil Offering, and um. Yeah, it is a little blingy because I I like that. I'm I'm a I'm a gearhead, so I like <laughs> nice parts and all that. And I really enjoy putting bikes together and all that. So it's it's a little blingy, but um, 
Yeah. Did the students ever look at that and say like, oh, well, no wonder he can do that. He's on that awesome bike, you think, or, or do they get it? It's not as bad with the, with the trail bike as it was whenever like, you know, I did notice I did a couple of clinics. I've got um my race bike is actually a, a mega tower. That's all, you know, push suspension and, you know, just, just way overkill for anything anybody would ever need. But, um, I love it. And like, it was, that one was definitely like that one had kind of crossed the line. Like anytime I went down anything or off anything, everybody's like, Oh, well, of course, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, let me show you. I'll jump on that bike too. I can do that. Yeah. They're like, well, anybody can do it with that. You know, it's <laughs> like, so, you know, I, that was wherever I was like, okay, I need to get a trail bike and make it a little bit more relatable. And then, um, I've actually, I've, I also picked up a hardtail that I travel with that I use for like flow checking and then also for like training and all that. And, um, it's just super versatile bike, but I kind of keep it ready. And I know one of these days I'm going to show up to a clinic and it's just going to be like all hardtails and I'm, it's going to be like the stars are going to align and I'm going to do a clinic on my hardtail just to show them like, you know, here we go, you know, just kind of to make it relatable because, you know, mountain bikers, you know how mountain bikers are. Like we like to argue on the internet and we like to make excuses. <laughs> um, right. That's just, that's just how mountain bikers are. So mm-hmm. yeah, I try to keep it relatable for everybody as, as well as I can. And, um, having the trail bike definitely helps with that. And, you know, if, you know, if worse comes to worse, you got somebody that's really hung up on it. I'm, I'm not above grabbing their bike and doing a feature on their bike. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just to kind of break through, I mean, a barrier is a barrier and my job as an instructor is to help break through that. So, you know, well, whatever tool that takes. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess when, when people say that a lot of it is in the context of, you know, being more self-taught, you know, they're talking about, say line choice, for example, and, and getting comfortable with that and, and thinking about like a hardtail, you know, maybe you need to pick your lines a little more carefully, you know, that's the argument anyway. So do you think there is advantage of, of learning on a hardtail or, or even say starting out with flat pedals versus clipless or, or the other way around? Does it really matter what equipment you're on? I, you know, I think it's, um, you know, the, the experience as a whole varies so much with any of them. Um, I think there's pros and cons to all of them. Personally, I think, I think learning on a hardtail is really good because it gives people a chance to focus on what their body is doing rather than what the equipment is doing. Yeah. You know, it's like if you come through on a hardtail and you're like, oh, that was rough and choppy and da, 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 then it's like, okay, it's because your lower body was stiff mm-hmm. versus you come in through that on full suspension. Like, Oh, my suspension settings are off or right. no, nah, like you gotta, you've got to ride with your body more with a hardtail and, and kind of dance with the terrain more. And, um, kind of the same thing with the, with the flat pedals. I'm, I'm a diehard flat pedal guy. I, I barely even, it took me months to be able to even clip in on a gravel bike. Yeah. I just, I just don't like it. You know, I, um, I've got a little bit of a moto background too. So like, kicking off of stuff and you know putting a foot out here and there and bouncing off of things like that's part of my riding style so Mm -hmm. yeah i like the flats but like you know and i think riding flats and learning how to ride flats teaches you how to use your feet more than just assuming they're clipped in and all good Mm -hmm. yeah you know kind of foot position and then the fine points of weighting your feet and getting your heels down and all those things i think are really good you know, it's just a little bit more dynamic what you need to do with your body. And I think that's always good to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Well, 
timing seems to be a big factor when it comes to landing jumps and particularly when you're trying to clear doubles, for example. How can riders develop a good sense of timing and speed? I know that's something that I struggle with. Is there, is there a way to, to work on that? Well, when's the last time you went out and hit a jump more than twice? <laughs> right. Good question. Especially when you're, when you're on the trail, right? If you're not yeah, at the bike park, just sessioning or the pump track. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the big thing. You know, everybody, you know, everybody wants those things, but people want to, they want shortcuts, you know, they want somebody on a video to tell them what's going to fix it. But like, really, you know, you got to find a jump that you like mm-hmm. and that is, you know, that's the right setting. And then you've got to go out and play with your bike. I mean, you got to, if you want to learn how to time the jump, right? Like you got to go and ride the jump and practice your compression and practice the release of that compression and timing it with the, you know, the natural compression of a jump face and, Mm -hmm. you know, really dialing that in. And, you know, that takes repetition and time on the bike. And it also, um, you know, any rider will tell you like, and any, any builder will tell you too, like not all jumps are created equal. So, you know, in my clinics, you know, I actually travel with a set of ramps that we use for uh, ninja clinics. And, um, it's a really nice setup and I love the ramps because it's super consistent. The lip is in the same place. The face is the same all the time. You can set it up wherever and, you know, you can get riders a lot of repetition on that ramp, you know, and it's the same every time. They're not having to worry about like some, some jump lines where it's like, okay, well, this one's got a lot of pop and then this one doesn't have any. And then you got to hit the brakes for this one. It's like, you're working with people that are just now figuring these things out. Like, you need consistent. So yeah, we use those ramps and they're, they're just fantastic. We've actually been developing them, developing them more and more for our clinics to make them better and better. So it's a really good setup. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, I've been able to get to the point where I'm comfortable with a particular jump, you know, like you said, if I'm able to do it over and over, but then how does that translate into like, something you've never seen before, you know, like you're comfortable with your jump or your local trails, but then how do you kind of translate that timing into something that that might be new? Oh man, that's a good one. Um, you know, get comfortable with your jump and then find, find some of the other ones around there. And like, before you hit it, look at it, like what's similar about it, what's different about it, what are some of the variables and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of trying to identify that thing, developing that eye, like, do I, is the approach faster? Is the gap you know, is the table or the gap bigger? Is it more poppy? You know, that kind of thing. You know, that's where your tabletops are, are such a good thing. You know, you can, you can go and kind of tell people it's like, um, test driving the jump when you got a table, (laughs) you know, you can kind of roll in at a, at a safe speed and, and you can feel at a lower speed where you're not fully committed to, to airing it out. Like you can feel where the lip is and you can feel, you know, the, you know, kind of where the timing is and kind of work into that. And then start dancing with it from there, and then ultimately it's it's going to be it's going to be ride time, you know, exposing yourself to as many of those different jumps as you can, and like paying attention to what you're doing and what the jump is and what's going on there, and yeah. and then taking you know you really need to have that eye and that understanding, you know, for whenever jumps start getting a little bit higher risk, you know, if you start looking at doubles, like you better be able to read a jump face a little bit, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, you don't want to just pedal into it and hope for the best. And then, you know, another big thing that I tell people with, with, you know, going from tables to gaps is, you know, think about what you're doing, you know, in moto, 
you know, I guinea pigged a lot of stuff on, on the dirt bikes and never come up short. Never. It's not even an option. I mean, oh, you know, first, first time you hit it, uh-huh. I'm going deep. I'm, I'm sending it too far and I'm, I'm preparing to land a flat. Like, yeah, okay. you know, that's how I'm doing it the first time. And then if I, if I come up a little bit short, then I'm actually on the sweet spot. You know, if I go a little bit long it's probably okay, you know, hopefully okay. But you know, definitely better than, you know, nose casing something and going on your face. That's for sure. So. Right. Right. So, so yeah, your advice is to, to really like overestimate if anything, uh, the first time and be prepared though, be prepared for kind of a rough landing. You know, you may, you may case it, but at least that's a lot safer than the alternative, which would be coming up short. Yeah. That's the big thing with jumps. I try to explain to people like, you know, it's, it's a lot more fun and a lot smoother and ultimately a lot safer. Like get to the landing, you know, don't try to, <laughs> don't try to sneak up on it. Like get there. <laughs> Cause like, you can, you can put the bike down a little early, but you can't like lift it in the air and get a little further, you know? <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. I mean, in my mind though, right. I'm scared either way, you know, like I'm, I'm really overthinking it sometimes and saying like, Oh, I don't want to go too fast, but you know, oh wait, maybe now I'm going too slow, and so yeah. If I could just pick one of those to to be wrong about, it would be to be be a little too fast. Yeah, get there. You got a lot more gray area on the other side. You know, you got a lot more margin for error over there. And um, plus, like, I mean, if you're somewhere, you know, hopefully you got some riding buddies, or there's some other people out there. Like, if you some, see somebody that's hitting it really well, like, you know, if I'm sizing up a gap that I'm kind of like, ah, I don't know. I find somebody's hitting it like a champ and I ask them to tow me in and you know, most of the time they're, they're okay with that. So, you know, that's, that's a really helpful thing because then you can kind of feel the pace and okay, you know, like, there we go, there we go. Kind of see somebody do it in front of you and that really makes it a, a lot more attainable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was one of the, the questions I was going to ask and, and you kind of answered it for me, but you know, why is it that it's easier for us to ride um, jumps, but also like technical features after we see somebody else do it, like when I'm by myself, I'll come up on something and say, Whoa, I don't know about that. But then if I'm, if I'm with a group and I see, you know, two or three people in front of me do it, it's no problem. So what, what is that about? I, I think it's cause, um, you know, the, the perspective, um, when you're on a bike and you're looking at a trail and you're reading a trail as you ride it, like the bike and the momentum kind of forces you to focus on what's important and, and really, you know, kind of blurs a lot of the other stuff versus like if you're on foot and you're looking at something for the first time, it's a lot scarier. Like any trail, any feature, it's, it's scarier on foot. Like I, I actually kind of have it as a rule of mine. Like I, I won't do a, a course walk, you know, before I ride it, you know, I, oh, I want really? to, yeah, like I'll, I'll, I'll find the roller, you know, the roll through lines or, you know, I'll ride something, at least ride near it or through it or next to it or something before I get off and look at it on foot. Because when you're on foot, everything's just scarier and bigger. And, you know, every route, you know, every rock, every edge, like, oh my gosh, what do I do? But, <laughs> yeah. you know, you get on the bike and it's like, oh no, okay. Yeah. I, I can see exactly where I need to go. And like, you know, this whole little thing that I was worried about, like, I'm actually not even going to touch. So it's really nice. Um, I think that's one of the big things in, in building. Yeah. That's one of the things I kind of figured out in trail building too. You know, when you're trying to build a technical section, I'll tell my guys when we're working on it, like if it looks rideable on foot, then it's going to be too easy. You know, when you get on the bike, 
yeah, yeah, like a yeah, and a sixteen-inch ledge when you're on foot is a big step. But um, on a bike, especially a modern bike, you can roll off of that at a walking pace, and you're fine. So, I think it's perspective. It's all about perspective. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and and. I think too, it's, you know, at least for me, I don't know about others, but, but definitely seeing that timing and being like, okay, like how fast did, did the person in front of me go through it? You know, especially if you're following someone, right? Like you're keeping kind of even spacing between each other, you know, you're not letting them get away from you. You're not like right up on them. So you, you're, you're pacing their, their speed. And so they make it through. And so I, I feel like I can get it, get through it, uh, just as easily as they did. Yeah. That's like, um, I mean, that kind of gives you the chance, kind of sets the stage. You step into that, that pure flow state. You know, you're not, you're not mentally trying to think of like what's coming up or like, what do I do planning for anything? Like you're reading and reacting and, you know, you've got that element of confidence in the speed that you're going of, you know, this is going to work and their line's going to work. And, and you get to like really get in that zone. That's why I think, you know, as riders, that's one of a lot of people's favorite thing is dropping on a trail with some buddies that you trust riding with. And like, it's just, it's magical. Everybody's felt that. Yeah. 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 You're just along for the ride. And I wonder too, you know, one of the things I'm sure you tell students this all the time, um, about like your vision on the trail, right? Like you don't want to be staring down, like right in front of your wheel, and a lot of times we tend to do that though when we're on our own versus riding with someone, right? Like when you're riding behind somebody, you're focused a little bit more on, on them and like where they are um, rather than than your own front wheel. Yeah, I mean, if you're chasing somebody, you're you're at the minimum watching what they're doing and looking where they are. And then if you notice, like you'll catch yourself even kind of looking over their shoulder or trying to see what's right ahead of them too. And so it's, you know, kind of get your eyes even further ahead. But yeah, a lot of people when they're, when they're riding solo, they, they look so close and they look down and, you know, that's, that's such a bad habit. Um, you know, I even, I even tell people like when you're on your climb, you know, or, or even a slower section, start training yourself then to look further ahead. Even when you, even when it doesn't really matter, like just building that habit, look further ahead, get those eyes up, get those eyes up. So Cause that, that will, it's, yeah, it's another one of those things like modern bikes are made for momentum, like momentum stabilizes modern geometry. So get those eyes up, keep the body centered and the machine will do so much and your body will do so much. And you know, the only limiting factor is your mind and what you believe you can do and where you're looking has a huge, you know, has a huge say in that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm curious to know which skills are the most difficult for your students to master. Are there certain things that sort of feel unnatural the first time that we do them? Oh, yeah. Um, everybody wants help with cornering. Everybody wants help with cornering and jumping. And everybody wants help with jumping. And, you know, so like it's easy to kind of look at those skills and be like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's these complex skills. And I think it really comes back to what we teach I think it's the second or third thing we teach in our fundamentals in the mornings is um, bike and body separation. Like being able to move your body on the bike is actually the big limiter for people in their riding. You know, because like if you can't move on your bike and move separate from your bike and 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 do that, then 
you know, that's why the cornering is difficult is because like if you're riding static, then it's almost impossible to corner well. And then same with jumping. If you're jumping static and you're not moving your body, then you're long for the ride and woof, that's not, that's not going to go well, you know, but like being able to move your body and your bike, like that is the base of, of what is so necessary for making mountain biking work well for people. And, um, mm. and that's where a lot of people get hung up. You know, they just don't, they ride stiff, you know, they ride stiff. They don't want to get loose. They don't, or they're not aware. Um, like how, how tall are you, Jeff? I'm tall. I'm six foot three. Oh Lord. Yeah. So like, um, this would be a big thing. Like, have you ever had anybody show you a picture of you when you thought you were low and getting after it? Oh man, I deal with it every single day, right? Because there's pictures of me on the internet, uh, you know, testing bikes and, you know, various events and things. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, you think you're getting down low and really giving her and then you see a picture and you're like, oh my gosh, like standing straight up. Yep. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a big thing. Your know, body awareness for everybody is a big thing. And I think like taller people, it's especially important. And then, um, as we get older, it's really important. It's, uh, you know, proprioception, you know, knowing where your body is and where you can move, where you can reach and what your personal range of motion is. You know, I think we lose touch of, with that as we get older. And, um, well, that's a shame because that, that opens up so many doors for you know, dynamic movement and having more fun on the bike and just, you know, aging better and all, you know, all together. Yeah. Well, why is it so hard for us to, to get that bike body separation? Like, why do we want to kind of clutch to the bike and, you know, really hang on to it and just kind of, you know, ride it versus, you know, piloting it? You know, I think it's, um, it's a combination of like lifestyle and mentality. You know, most people's lifestyle puts them sitting too much and static too much and, you know, not, not moving dynamically and, and, and then like the mentality follows suit with, if you're not exploring the own, your own body movement, and what you can do, then you lose touch with that. You lose awareness of that. And, you know, then all of a sudden, like you think, you know, sitting here and reaching across the table and getting your coffee cup is a, is a stretch. <laughs> it's like, nah, like, <laughs> you know, like, like if that is as, as far as you are comfortable and aware of moving, then you're leaving a lot on the table. So, um, you know, switching that mentality of like moving your body, reaching, exploring that, that range of motion. You know, it's huge. It's huge. And as we get older, I think we just lose the element of play. You know, like, like a lot of people with mountain biking, they want to watch the video and then get the results. Yeah. And they, they skip the part that everybody actually loves, which is the going out and playing on their bike. You know, go, go rock it back and forth, go see how far back you can lean and then how far you can lean and you know, see how far you can lean the bike over, you know, like play some games with it, you know, put a water bottle on the ground and ride around the parking lot, trying to reach down and get the water bottle and pick it up and, you know, just play, you know, playing yeah. more on the bike. Like that's where you learn the things. Look at, you know, watch kids on their bike. They don't need the world-class trail and the latest and greatest equipment. Like they just need a sidewalk and they can keep themselves busy for hours. You know, like I think, I think adults lose a lot of that and, you know, and, and that's actually what we're all looking for more of. Mm, yeah. Is that a big part of your skills clinics? I mean, I'm sure people sign up for them and expect, you know, I'm going to spend a day or a weekend or whatever. And at the end of it, I'm going to be like, 
you know, hundred times better. Are they surprised when you tell them, you know, you need to keep working at this? Like, I, I'm going to give you some some drills and things that you can work on, um, but you're going to have to put the time in. It's not like a like an overnight kind of thing. Right. I I think I think by the end of a weekend with us, they understand that they have received so much. You know that that they they really understand like wow I've got a lot to learn a lot to work on a lot to remember um, yeah you know I tell people all the time like I give them homework I give them give them one to grow on or you know I uh, one of the, the the things I like to say is that you know, skills coaching is kind of like landscaping you know you can pay all this money for landscaping but you still got to water it you know <laughs> <Right>. yeah <laughs> you know so yeah I tell people like I'll I'll introduce all these things and show you some things but like you got to go play on your bike you know I'm I, I'm I can I can show you the process and show you the things to focus on, but ultimately like it's up to the riders to go do it. And yeah, I say that, but at the same time, like we can we can get improvement out of riders from Saturday morning to Sunday afternoon and have visible, real, tangible improvement out of them. And um, you know, it's always amazing. It's a it's always such a trip to me when I when I first started coaching. I would be so nervous because I'm like, oh, what happens? Like, you know, these riders show up with this beautiful bike and this great kit and they're telling me they got 10 years worth of riding experience. I'm like, how am I going to help this person? Mm-hmm. And then you see them, you know, an hour into the clinic and, and they, they just don't even have any range of motion. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh man, you know, like you see that you're like, okay, I'm going to rock their world. You know, I'm going to, like you know come over here to the side and like rock your bike back and forth until your seat's touching the inside of your thigh you know like do that like buzz your butt on the back tire bring your hips up to the bar you know like really explore that range of motion and they start to if they just open up a little bit of that and then take it to their riding it's an absolute game changer for people yeah well what are some common bad habits when it comes to technical trail descending? You mentioned that people, a lot of people want to work on cornering. They want to work on jumping, but I'm thinking specifically about technical trails. Are there, are there things that, that we do wrong and, and we don't realize we're doing wrong? Well, a classic bad advice, just lean back. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's, that's the worst thing ever. Like I hear people, you know, when I'm just out riding on my own and I hear, you know, groups of people and they're giving their buddies that advice, like, you know, the coach in me just wants to go over there and be like, wait, 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 you know, <laughs> let me step into your, your group ride here and fix this. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, I, I think like, you know, that's one of the worst habits is, is people think like, oh, I just need to get my body back. It's, no, no, no. Like there's, there's a lot more to it than that, you know, like, you know, you need to, you know, have your body centered, you know, think about line of gravity and center of gravity. There's a lot more to it. And then, you know, moving fluid. And I, I think the easiest way to, to kind of put something out there is like, don't ever, don't ever have your body where you're at the end of your rope. Like if you see where your arms are at full length or your legs are at full length, like you're at the end of your rope, like you're long for the ride at that point. So, yeah, yeah. um, you know, kind of staying within that range of motion within that ready position kind of thing. And then, um, you know, getting those eyes up, you know, technical trails, it's really easy to get fixated on things. Mm-hmm. I think like your know, riders, as they get more experienced, they get where like they only, when they read the trail, they only see the things that are possible disruptors. You know, like they don't see every little route. They see that medium off angle route that can really be a problem. And they, you know, like they address that. They're not trying to address every little thing, you know, they're addressing the things that matter. So like vision, body position like 
you know, don't just lean back and hope for the best. And yeah, I think that's one of the big things is like, think about what you're doing. You know, that, that's, that's a big thing for mountain bikers is, you know, think about what's going on. Think before you do something, you're looking at a technical descent, like think about it. Yeah. You know, think about the approach, think about the exit, think about what you're doing with your body. Think about like, am I holding my breath? You know, like, you know, think about it before you do it. And then, you know, also kind of understand that like, if it's this big mystical thing that you just really don't know, or you don't have a plan, then, you know, in all situations, there's a, there's a lever A and a lever B. And sometimes you need to pull lever B hmm. and walk away, you know, like, yeah, you know, that's one of the things, uh, you know, in clinics, we run into that with, with students, like they'll get fired up because, you know, their personalities like me, where we know that like the end of this is going to be involving a, a crowd and a camera, you know, like, <laughs> it's like you get a group of people at a nice technical descent and you get these, you know, these people that are like, you know, like they want to do it because everybody's watching, you know, and just kind of step over and be like, well, what's your plan? <laughs> right. You know, and, and so many times, like if somebody's not ready for it, like they don't have a plan and like, that's the big thing. Like that's the tell, like, you know, leave her be, Yeah. you know, but if they've got a plan and they think it through, then like, okay, let's do this. Let's do this. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's the big thing. Um, you know, of course, body position, trail vision, where your eyes are, you know, look through the feature kind of thing. And then, uh, you know, having a plan, you know, thinking before you do stuff so you don't, you don't ever want to catch yourself just along for the ride or like at the mercy of circumstances kind of thing. You're in control. Like you know, I tell people like, you know, these bikes are expensive. You've probably got the receipt for it. Like it's your tool. It's your piece of equipment. It's your bike. That means it does what you want it to do. You're not just along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Right. And like that's a big perspective shift for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, when we're going the other direction on the trail, going uphill, are there skills for climbing on a bike beyond just sort of improving physical fitness? I know for a lot of people, climbing is, you know, for, I mean, most of us, almost all of us, that's the worst part of, of any ride, right? Is like getting, getting up. We just do it so that we can enjoy the downhill. We don't want to call it the worst. It's just like the, the less favorite or, you know, like yeah. the, the necessary evils of, of mountain biking. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's the same thing, you know, it's getting that vision, you know, getting the body into it. And then the big thing too, is like this piece of equipment you're on is this amazing high tech machine. And think back to like, it's a machine, which means we go back to like elementary school where like it creates a mechanical advantage. And so like use it. You know, you see a lot of people, you know, they don't think about what gear they're in. They don't think about their momentum. They don't think about the physics involved. You know, they, you know, their vision's down. Like you've, you've, you've been there. We've all been there and we see people do it. Like you're coming around a trail, you're looking at your front tire, you come around a corner, there's a climb, you're in 15th gear, looking at the, you know, looking at the bottom of the trail, you're offline and, and now you're stalled, you know, like you're stuck, you know, no, not a chance. Well, you know, rewind in that setting, get your eyes up, look through the turn, see that there's a climb, get into the right gear, you know, pick a line that brings you through the corner smooth so that you enter the climb right and in the right gear, you put a little bit of power down, you know, where it counts. And then you're at the top of the climb and, you know, you kept your flow up and you're not sitting there fighting it. You're not grinding gears. 
you know, use the machine, use your vision kind of thing. Um, you know, a lot of people when they're, when they're learning, like they see the trail go up and their immediate thing is start dumping gears, you know, go to that, go to the Eagle gear, you know, where's my Eagle gear as soon as it goes uphill. And it's like, no, no, that's not always the right one. You know, like you want to, you want to find one and, you know, keep some momentum and match your gearing with your momentum and the, and the terrain. And like, you know, put a little bit of thought into it and, you know, get there, get to the top, you know, not, not just like fight it and grind through or, you know, come into it and trying to shift under load and snap, crackle and pop your way through it, you know, <laughs> right. think about how to smooth it out. And then, and then ultimately I think, you know, it's important to tell a lot of people too, like get your eyes up and check the climb out. If it's one of those climbs that, you know, it starts off awful and it just stays awful and you don't want to go up it or, you know, you're actually riding to get to the best, you know, downhill ever. Like, I don't want to start the downhill with my heart rate racing and my arms numb and <laughs> legs noodly, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I kind of think about like what ride am I after? Yeah. You know, if, if that's the focus, like I might get off and, and push my bike or carry it. Or, you know, if you're riding with people, like maybe this ride would be more fun if we, uh, we call it party pace, maybe chill out a little bit on the climbs and, you know, slow it down at like a conversational pace. And then everybody kind of has a little bit more fun and, you know, they feel good when they get up to the top and you're not like killing the new rider, you know, when they, you know, they come limping in and from trying to fight their way up the climb. And then, you know, you've already had your break, which uh, a little note, a little etiquette note for everybody on group rides, the break does not start until the last rider gets there. Okay. Just a little thing for all the listeners there, like a little etiquette. <laughs> you want somebody to, to fall in love with mountain biking, give them a chance, you know, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think, I think that's, you know, it's like so many other things, put a little bit of thought into the climbing and, you know, make it a better experience by putting some thought into it and thinking about your goals. And you gotta remember like one of the things that people always get a kick out of in my, in my clinics, I'm, I, I teach people how to carry their bike. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I go through like, yeah, I mean, I teach people like, here's how you dismount. Um, if you bail, get off the trail get out of the way from anybody else that might be making the climb. Mm-hmm. And then here's how, you know, here's some tips on pushing your bike without, you know, taking a pedal to the shin. And here's how to pick up your bike and not wear yourself out. And here's how to full on, like carry your bike up to the top without wearing yourself out and, and feeling good when you get there and keeping the ride going, you know, like, uh, there's a really good coach that, you know, he's got a saying of, you know, pushing your bike is still mountain biking. <laughs> yeah, that's good advice. I, I mean, I used to be the guy who felt like, you know, if if I didn't bike the whole thing, you know, like I'm, I'm going out for a 10-mile loop and if there was any part that I had to walk or, yeah, get off my bike, hike a bike, like the ride didn't count or didn't count as much or whatever. And, and yeah, it sounds like the advice you're giving, what you're saying is look at the climbs in particular more strategically and and get comfortable like don't don't kill yourself like going uphill um you know for for no reason because yeah like you said the part the the reason most of us are there is to have fun especially on the descents and when we're we're tired we're exhausted by the time we get to them that that kind of defeats the purpose right i think it's all about flow for a lot of people i mean as you get better at riding you know more more climbs kind of make themselves available. You know, everybody wants that, that flow, you know, that feeling of flow all the way through their ride. And I think it's one of those things like, you know, what is it? Is it a Lamond quote where, um, 
it never gets easier. You just get faster. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, yeah. so, you know, that's one of those things like, you know, think about your ride and think about, you know, how, how can you have the most fun? And, you know, for, for some people that is, you know, like deconstructing these climbs and making them happen. And for some people it might be, you know, step off the bike and listen to the birds chirp and, you know, enjoy a little walk in the woods with your bike and then enjoy the rest of your ride without feeling like you're going to cough up a lung or <laughs> anything like that. You know, it's just kind of thinking about what you want and aligning your ride and your decisions with, with those goals. I think it's really important. So, and then of course, like you go to places like Sedona where, you know, technical climbing, that's, that's most of the riding. And so then it's about like unlocking those climbs and finding the skill set and the plan and, you know, you get that technicality to it and that puzzling and, you know, and then, then it turns into a whole different beast too, but still same thing applies. Like get your eyes up and think about what you're doing. Yeah. It seems like your kind of your weight distribution too, and your positioning on the bike is really key in those super technical climbs. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're dancing on the bike, you're, uh, working the machine, you're working the body. It's a, it's a dynamic experience. And, um, you know, one little note, like I tell people, if you want to be a better technical climber, learn how to track stand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's super helpful. You know, if you're, if you're comfortable with that, like two second stall, you'd be amazed how many climbs will, will unlock, you know, if you're, if you're comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah. Watch, watch a Jeff Lenoski video or, you know, I, I just saw this guy, this guy in France, uh, he climbed like 700 stairs or something yeah, on his bike and. Yeah, but it's basically just track standing and kind of <laughs> hopping around on your bike. Yeah, get physical, you know, get comfortable with, with the stalls and learn how to go into a stall and out of a stall and, you know, not not be thinking that like every climb is going to be this steady rhythm. You know, you start technical climbing, you learn that it's quite the opposite. Like it's it's a fight, you know. And yeah, I also tell people when I'm teaching technical climbing, like – uh <laughs> right yeah yeah well i'm hoping all these videos make it cool again you know i mean people are going to watch this and be like yeah yeah climbing's cool i'm going to work on that but i, I don't see that happening <laughs> no, climbing climbing's only cool for people that are good at it right <laughs> everybody else they still they're like i don't know i don't know but um yeah, I think the advice for everybody is like, you know, get your eyes up and, and, and think about every part of the trail. Like, what what can I do to make my ride experience better? Yeah. You know, more enjoyable and better. And, you know, if you're out there trying to feel super strong, then yeah, you know, get your eyes up. How do you tackle that climb? Use your use your momentum, find the right gear, get physical with it for sure. So, um, but sometimes it might be just, just get off and hike it up to the top and enjoy the rest of your ride more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get back to talking about jumping. Yeah. And I want to ask you huck or kicker, Ooh. which one is, which one's more fun and which one is more difficult to land correctly? I definitely say kicker is more difficult, um, more variables. I mean, you got the, the natural compression of a face, you've got the pop, you've got, you know, what happens once you're in the air, you've got, you know, so many more variables to it with a, with a kicker, um, versus a huck to me, like, just launch it. You know, come, yeah, I mean, you, you come from trail building, you start looking at, at hucks. Uh, I try to explain to people it's all about the ratio. Um, you know, hucks to me are, are math. I can 
I can look at a huck and I can step it off and I can measure it and I can I can tell you like about what pace it is based on the ratio, and that's whether it's two feet tall or ten feet tall. So that's always um, that's one of those things that really helps helps me a lot. You know, if it's you know if it's a a two to one ratio of like the gap to height, then I know that it's about a jogging pace will get me there. You know, like a basic trail pace will get me there for sure. Um, if it starts stepping up to where it's like a three to one of gap to height and like, okay, like I'm going to have to reach for this one a little bit. So might need to carry a little more speed before and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah. So it sounds like the timing maybe is easier on a huck. I mean, I've experienced that myself. That's less, um, I don't know, challenging or, you know, I'm not afraid of a huck as, as much as a kicker where you, now you've got angles and you're trying to figure out exactly like. Yeah, where where's this going to put me? Well, yeah, good huck. Like you've just got to figure out the the going out and down part in a in a full on kicker. You got to figure out the up out and then down part. You know, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and you got to get it all right. You it's know, a lot of math. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot a lot of variables going on with that. So, I um I think the hucks are a little bit easier, but uh, you know the the kickers the kickers definitely have some some more variables. Um, but like you can also kind of get out there and style out a kicker a little bit more and you know, kind of get a little bit more airtime with it. And, and then you get to features like there's a, there's a feature in, um, Wyoming on Teton pass where it's a, it's a pretty good combo of both. It's like a, like a kicker huck into a corner, you know, it's out of a corner coming down kicker huck to a lander to another corner. And it's, um, it's large and it's, it's super photogenic. So like, you got to do it, you know, like get, get the camera out and get after it kind of thing. And, uh, you know, a lot of variables then, but, um, yeah, you know, mountain biking, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm curious to know if you have any tips for helping riders overcoming their fear of trying something new. sounds like that's maybe not something that you had, at least when you were starting out. I mean, it sounds like you were able to just, just go for it, but, but what do you say to people who, maybe show up for a skills clinic and, and they're not comfortable. They're not ready to try something or, or they just, they're not, they're not excited about it. Oh man. Zero pressure. Um, a little bit of background too, of, uh, kind of where my path took me. I'm, I'm got a resume with about 30 broken bones. I'm on my fourth ACL of uh, double digit concussions yeah. So yeah, I've got a, I've got the rap sheet to go with those kind of decision makings, you know, that kind of decision making process, which, uh, you know, I'm, I'm now realizing all those old guys were right. We're like, it's going to come back and haunt me later, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all right. That's, that's, that's my life. You know, that's my story. But, um, you know, for, for people that I'm teaching and working with, I tell them like, if, if you're, if you're not comfortable with it, don't do it. It's not time yet. You know, like that's, that's one of the big things is you know, I tell them like, do the, do the things that lead up to that, to the point, like, you know, where, when you do size up that next thing, it's not this big mystical, fearful thing. Like it just, you see it, you know, it makes sense. It's kind of like, you know, if you're, you know, if you're looking at a five foot drop and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, like, what do I even do? Well, go wear out a one foot drop and then wear out a two foot drop until those become just nothing and then a three foot drop. And then, 
you know, soon after that, when you roll up to that five footer, it's like, Oh, what was I afraid of? You know, like it just, all of a sudden it just clicks. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like, yeah, especially in a clinic setting, my, my number one answer to the, to the, I don't know, kind of thing. It's like, well, don't worry about it. You know, like you'll, you'll feel it and you'll want it when it's Mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Um, You know, like that's a, I read an interesting book a while back where it's, it's talking about how like a lot of the, the really high adrenaline, high intensity, high risk sports, like those athletes don't actually like to be called adrenaline junkies because adrenaline in itself is a fear response. Hmm. And it implies that they're not prepared. Like that, that's the thing is like, you know, these guys at the pro and at the elite level, like they're prepared. Yeah. You know, like they show up to like Red Bull Rampage. Like that's not the first time they've looked at a giant drop. You know, like they've, they've done their homework. They've done the work leading up to it. They, they've built up to it. And, and now, you know, like they're, they're, they're taking it one step further, you know, but like, you know, they've done the legwork to get there. That's interesting. Yeah. They're not junkies. I mean, I'm sure a lot of them would say that they don't enjoy the fear part of it. I mean, who, who would, right. If it's truly fear, then yeah, that's not enjoyable. Well, what, what happens to your body and your mind when you're afraid, you know, you freeze up and you stop breathing, you know, you get stiff and you hold your breath mm-hmm. and you kind of close in and like, what's the worst thing you can do on a bike, right. you know, it's get stiff and hold your breath, you know? So, you know, if there's something that's like super scary and you're super afraid of it, then, you know, it's not time for it yet. You know, go, go, go do the, go do the homework to build up to that. And then. And then one day when you roll up to that, it'll just be one of these things you're excited about doing and you see it and it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Is it similar advice for someone who maybe they have done it before, but then they, they suffer a crash, you know, like they were riding at a certain level, um, and were comfortable doing certain things, say, you know, landing that five foot drop and then, and then they crash. Um, how do you, what advice do you give to, to those people that are trying to kind of work their way back up to that? Oh man, number one, check the ego, check the ego and really kind of listen to what you're telling yourself. If you're, if you, you know, a lot of people when they crash, like they get in this mindset of like, they've got to play catch up and like that, oh, that puts you in a bad spot. That puts you that. Yeah. Wanting to get like right back to where you were. Yeah. I mean, that puts you in a bad spot. You know, that's a, that's a bad mental spot and it puts you at risk because here's the thing. Like, I, you know, how old are you, Jeff? I'm 42. Oh, okay. So like you got some buddies, I'm sure that, um, at this point, as you start talking to them, like the older they get, the faster they were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I mean, it's kind of one of those things like, you know, that jump that you hit before your crash, you know, it's, it's a lot bigger now mm-hmm. than it was when you were hitting it because in your mind you've put it on, you know, put it on this pedestal kind of mm-hmm. thing. So like, yeah. I think it's one of those things like be honest with yourself, you know, like, you know, kind of check the ego and realize like, okay, you need to kind of rebuild up to that. You, you know, that injury, a big injury is, is a reset, you know, and it's, um, you know, that doesn't have to be a negative. You don't have to play catch up. You don't have to like reclaim what was lost. Like you get to establish new good habits. Mm-hmm. And, um, what I found was if, you know, if I, if I handled my energy or my injury the, the right way with my mentality, I would come back so much just hungrier and more excited and enjoying rides more and just really, really embracing a lot of the parts of riding that maybe I kind of overlooked before, you know, like appreciating more of it 
And then like that put me in the mindset where you're going to be naturally more progressive. And then you find yourself being able to kind of work up. And then the next thing you know, without putting any pressure on yourself, without putting any deadlines or stress, you're going bigger and better and faster and smoother and having more fun and being more comfortable, which is ultimately safer on the bike than you were before the injury. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense too with, you know, with a lot of things in life, like we learn from failure and we learn from mistakes and things, but man, sometimes crashing just seems different to me, you know, like, like you could have done everything right. And just like one little thing that, you know, maybe was even out of your control, you know, it's like, you didn't even do anything wrong. Or a lot of times too, you, you don't know what you did wrong, you know, like even weeks later, you're still like, you know, kind of blaming yourself or trying to think like, man, what, what happened? Like, why did that happen? And I I can see that being like kind of a dark, dark place for some people. Oh yeah. I mean, it's one of those things. It's, it's like anything else. If you get fixated on the negative, you know, you're going to go down that tunnel you're going to go down that rabbit hole and it's just going to get darker and more negative. You know, it's one of those things like, you know, when you have crashes like that, you know, sometimes there is no answer. You know, you don't have any idea what went wrong. Like there's just some invisible force that reaches up from the ground and pulls you into it and you know harder than gravity can and it hurts and you know it stings and it takes you off the bike and you're frustrated but you know the big thing i think is to you know find a way to let go of it don't define the next chapter of your riding based on a previous crash don't get fixated on the crash Uh, yeah i put a lot of effort into not even talking about them later on like it's yeah, I, I will, I will embrace a good case of denial, you know, <laughs> and just try to forget it as fast as I can, you know, yeah, huh. and then like, try not to fall into the same, you know, paths and habits that led up to it. You know, you see these people that, you know, they have this crash because they you know, had this really linear mindset of like, well, if I hit this jump, then I should hit this jump and then I should hit this jump. And then they crash on that jump and then they come back and they, they think it's going to, they, they, they take the same mentality and the same process. And then I like, guess what, you know, within a couple months, like they're hurt again. So, you know, it's, you know, what's the definition of insanity? <laughs> Doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. Like, no, no, like take a chance. And if you crash, it's a chance to reset. It's a chance to evolve and maybe, you know, maybe become better all around and stronger mentally and use it as a, as a catalyst for growth rather than, you know, something that stopped your perceived process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. We got really deep on that. That's, that's, well, there's a lot to it. I mean, it's, there's a lot of mentality. I mean, crashes take people out of the game and take them off of bikes. And, uh, you know, that's not what you want. You know, you want to be enjoying yourself and, and having that as part of your life for, for the, for the long run, you know? So there's a, there's a right and wrong way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you kind of alluded to this earlier, talking about jumps and and how sort of trail features are built. How do you apply your experience as a rider and as a an instructor to your trail building work? Oh man, um, that's a really good one because it's it's actually one of those things I take so much pride in my building because I've got that you know, and it's it all stays fresh in my mind. Like I. I spend a big part of the year building and I spend a big part of the year riding and I spend a big part of the year teaching. And, you know, I think all of it kind of keeping it all fresh in my mind is it really helps. Like when I start to move dirt and build a trail, I feel like I'm more in touch with 
the riding mentality. I'm more in touch with the people that are going to ride it. And I can, I can build based around that. And I, you know, one of the big things I tell other builders is like rule number one, when you're building trail, don't get greedy. Don't get greedy. You know, like, you know, just because you got a little bit of speed doesn't mean you should build a 30 foot gap. You know, like if you got a little bit of speed, you know, is it better to have like this one giant feature or could it be a lot more fun to have like four or five really fun blue, you know, good intermediate features? You know, think about your audience, you know, think about riders out there. Like, I don't want to build trail that's going to be fun for 2% of riders out there and they're going to come out and do it once and get their picture taken on it and then never do it again. You know, like I want to build stuff that like, people get on it and they don't want to stop riding. Like they're taking, you know, that, that getting a lap when the sun's going down and talking about like wanting to come back out tomorrow kind Mm -hmm. of thing, you know, like that's what I like to build. So I think that, yeah, I, I work a lot, you know, with the students, I work so much with, I call them the big intermediates. Um, you know, know, it's like, you, you don't know what you don't know. You know, so, you know, you get a lot of people that are that, you know, they've, they've been riding for a lot of years, but like they're, a, they're an intermediate rider, you know, the intermediate skill set. And like, you know, I think about those people and I think about the people that have just gotten a bike this year and they're figuring things out. Like, how can they have a blast? You know, how can I build something where they're going to have a blast and learn good habits and enjoy themselves? And then I think about myself and I think about some of the people I race with and some of the expert riders that I get to spend time with. And I, and I know that, you know, we'll all be dead honest with you. And I'll tell you, man, like it's fun to go and just override a blue trail. You know, like that's a blast, man. Like that's a good time. Like you can go, you know, you go ride the black diamond trails and like, that's cool. And it's really fun. And I love a good, hard technical trail, but, um, you know what I'm going to do to get ready for that hard run? I'm going to wear out a blue run. You know what I'm going to do after I do that hard run? I'm going to go play on the blue run, you know, (laughs) you know, so like it kind of, you know, when I, when I build, I think about that mentality of like most fun wins. And then, you know, how do I, how do I find that little level, like that perfect level and that balance? And then how do I sneak something in there that lets that rider accomplish something they didn't know they could do? Mm, Yeah. Like that's my favorite kind of building. You know, that, and, and that's what I like to bring. And like, you know, I think of trails when I build them, they're more of a, a system and like the overall rhythm, you know, like I, if I've got a downhill flow trail, like I just built a really cool, really fun technical flow trail. And it's, you know, it's one of those things like when I first, when I built the first feature, I thought to myself, like, I want this to be a crescendo type of rhythm. I want the whole trail to just pull you into the next feature and be super fun. And I want it to be technical in a way where like, you know, if you get this feature, then the next one is available. If you get that feature, then the next one's available. It's like a video game. Oh, exactly. I mean, and that sensation, like that's what really gets people. And like, you know, if you can't do this feature, then you're not going to get the next one. You know, like, (laughs) you know, you got to do that. You know, you got to get that, get that one before it. And then, yeah, and then of course build a couple spots in the end of the trail where like if you do bobble one, like you can kind of get back into the flow. So 
you know, I think, you know, thinking of a trail as, as a system of features and how, how to create that sensation that we love as riders. And I think that really unlocks it. And then like, just don't get greedy, check the ego, you know, like that's cool that you can build a 30 foot gap, but that's not for everybody. When those trails present themselves, like I'll build the hell out of a 30 foot gap, but, you know, <laughs> but you know, on the majority of trails, like build what's going to be the most fun. You know, and I, I think, and I think that's kind of, you know, where my focus has been and, and where I've had the best results. Yeah. Yeah. When we were talking about timing earlier and about jumps and, and sort of, you know, being able to trust the trail and, and like the consistency between, you know, gaps and kickers and tabletops and all that kind of thing. It made me think of, of Whistler, you know, like you go to Whistler, it's like every one of those jumps, you know, that those builders, they're riders and they, you know, for lack of a better word, like they, the jumps there are just, they flow so well. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. You know, once you, when you get that though, it's magic where the, the trail just kind of leads you into, into being a better rider in some ways. Well, if you spend a little bit of time at Whistler you go out there in the morning, you hear every morning that crew slapping shovels on. I mean, of course we're talking about a line, a line, you know, that's the, the ultimate jump line. I mean, there's people that go up to Whistler and like they, they don't ride anything but a line. They do it all day. Um, mm-hmm. It's an amazing trail. It's an amazing trail. Like another thing, uh, the history of a line, those jumps have been around for uh, how old is, is a line like 20 years old now? Yeah, that, that could be. It's like that jump line has been fine tuned for a couple of decades now by some of the top builders and riders in, in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, each one of those jumps has a, binder and history and <laughs> development behind it that is you know that is that is next level but uh yeah i think that one's just such a good staple of you know if you get this one you're going to get the next one and like I'm, i'll never forget my my first time up there i uh yeah i i one of one of my biggest proudest moments as a mountain biker was i actually on-sided a line oh wow yeah i was i was super pumped about that but it was because you know, as a builder and as a rider, you know, I, I had, I had spent two or three days in the park riding all the other jump lines before I ever even took my A-line run mm-hmm. because I was nervous. I was afraid. Um, I mean, they're, you know, I was like, I'd been hearing about this jump line for 20 years, you know? So like, uh, I kind of worked up towards it. And then once I, I dropped in and I was in the right headspace and I was feeling good and, you know, I, I knew going into it that like, if you clear the first one, and don't do anything weird, the second one will go. And I just dropped in with that mentality. And the next thing I know, man, I was just pure flow state and like made it happen. And it was, um, I think that one's definitely like, that's a testament to world-class building. Um, now for everybody else out there listening, that's not going to go to Whistler. Uh, (laughs) there are places like that. I mean, there's a lot of places where the jumps don't have that kind of rhythm, but there's a lot of places that do. Um, and I, I think that's uh, yeah, so good. Like you know, flow trail and the way that people build it, it's just getting better and better and better. And and I think you're being able to find better and better jumps. But you know, there's trails out there. I I think it's fantastic when you find a good a good blue jump line that's got a good rhythm to it, and it's you can trust it, and you can go out and um, you know, you can hit this one trail, and 
you do this one run that's just fun and you're having a good time riding your bike. But if you think about it from a progression standpoint, like you just hit 40 jumps, you know, like, uh, like what is it? Uh, uh, fire line. It's a, is a, a intermediate jump line in Northwest Arkansas that is, you know, just like, you know, when I was there a few years ago, it was the people's favorite. And I, I think we counted up, there was 44 or 45 features top to bottom on that trail. And like, you, you could go out there and just lap it all day. And I thought it was so good for, for a community and for riders. Like you get to hit so many jumps and get so much practice with that timing in that kind of setting, well, you know, without ever, you know, feeling like you're going into a death gap or, or getting in any trouble. Like, you know, they're all tables. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, there's great jumps out there. So, yeah. What are some of your favorite places? You obviously travel around a lot building and instructing and, and what are, what are some of your, one, what are some of your favorite projects you've worked on? And then what are some other trails that, that you've ridden that you've really enjoyed? Oh man. Um, yeah, you know, so many of my favorite projects have been on private property. So like, I can't, I can't really talk too much about them, but they've been, you know, like the, the private property is so much fun as a builder because, you know, just, uh, less cooks in the kitchen kind of thing. You know, like it's one of those deals where the property owner you, tells you what they like and you get to know them and you ride with them a little bit and then you get to go out there and build what you think's the best. And, you know, you don't have, you know, some, 400 pound city council guy coming out telling you that your jump's not right. You know, right. like, you know, that happens, you know, that happens too. So, uh, yeah. you know, like, I think those work really well. Um, we hit the sweet spot with a, a build in, uh, North Texas in my hometown, actually, uh, Sherman, Texas. There's a little park there that we started building trail years ago, just, um, mm. this kind of forgotten city park and, you know, hacking through the poison Ivy and, uh, the dog's getting to the squeaker toy here, so she's pumped. But uh, we started building trail there, and it was so funny because it started off as, as like so many trail builds do, where you know, like the police get called for this guy going into the woods by himself with all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like and the police come out and check you out, and and then a couple months later, you know, that same that same policeman is there with the mayor on the ribbon cutting on the new <laughs> si- you know city supported trail network that. You know, they're the same people that called the cops on you, but, uh, yeah, it's fine. But anyway, I digress lots of stories, but, um, so the city at this point is, has been super good, has been amazing. And, um, they helped us get dirt and equipment and, you know, worked with, uh, my buddies now the trail steward there. He also works parks and rec department. And like, you know, they had, you know, this dirt from these other projects that they just needed somewhere to put. Yeah, well, hey, we got an idea, you know, <laughs> and then like they've got this, you know, skid steer that, you know, like, well, we, you know, we don't use it on the weekends. What if we just let you use it on the weekend and build some jumps? Oh, wow. Yeah. So like I showed up just to visit my buddy and kind of see what's going on at the park. And he's got this mountain of dirt and this beautiful skid steer. And here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so like we, we built, um, we built a full on, you know, beginner friendly jump line the little skills park right there at binkley park and then built a you know every time i come visit you know we add some more to it and um we built a, a full-on jump line i think it's like a a 12 hit jump line you know on this 
park that's probably got six feet worth of elevation. Yeah, and it's it's beautiful. It's super fun. People have a blast on it. You see everything from, you know, like these experienced riders traveling through to kids on Strider bikes to, you know, anything and everything in between. It's just it's like that's one that's one of my my favorite builds. I I love it because like that community had never seen anything like it. And now like they just love it and they embrace it and they're proud of it. And like that gets me so pumped. But um yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Besides that, I I lived and uh, worked full time as a builder with Progressive Trail Design there in Northwest Arkansas, and that was just a couple of years ago when everything was starting to bust off. And uh, man, like that was super fun. Like the the competition between builders and you know, like the resources available and and just the the openness to progression and and all that was that was super fun and you know fast paced and high intensity and like that was great and then um of course enjoying my private property gigs and then and and ride wise oh man i'm so lucky on that i've 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 been lucky enough that i've been on the road long enough that we've uh started getting to hit some of the b and c list spots you know so like it's it's not just all a list you know so like uh and you really find some gems there, you know, some kind of fun, wonky stuff and have a good time. You know, the, the occasional pallet jump. Um, <laughs> yeah, I enjoy those too. You know, yeah. like not everything's got to be perfect to be fun. So. Right. But um, I tell you, a, a place for everybody to put on their bucket list and um, any, any builders out there, uh, the Pacific Northwest, um, getting up to like Bellingham and that area. Uh, the clubs and the volunteers in that North Pacific Northwest area are putting down as good, often better trail and features than a lot of professionals can right now. Yeah. Yeah. It is really impressive up there. And the funny thing is, um, they don't seem to, I mean, I think you're blowing their spot up right now, telling people about it. <laughs> they don't seem to want Well, I didn't say, to, I didn't, didn't give any no. specifics. I mean, that's a big, right, right. that's a big region. I'm not going to yeah. give away any specifics. But no, here, even really. Bellingham, right? It's not. <laughs> oh, you did it. Yeah. Well, no, you said it. You said Bellingham. I didn't did I say, say that. Bellingham? You did. You did. Um, I'm yeah, calling you I out. I meant to talk but, about the coffee and the bakeries. And right. Right. But no, like I, it's, it's amazing what those, what those clubs are, are accomplishing up there. And it's, I think it's a good model for um you know just progression and what's what's possible you know on that you know like you you know not everything has to be so expensive i i think that's fantastic and like uh i'm all oh, year a while back you did a podcast with uh matt is it stanky or stank down in um knoxville yeah i'm i'm gonna put that on my list for coming across you know here in a couple of weeks i want to go check that out like i think uh i really enjoyed listening to that one I, I think he's on track and you know he was talking about like you can't even get a call back from so many professional builders unless it's a certain budget. And, yeah. you know, I, I think like, you know, my, we were having this conversation the other day, I think, you know, with the, with the explosion of mountain biking this year, with all the changes in the world, I think it's also going to kind of ripple into the trail building world because everybody loves trails and nobody likes crowded trails. So I think there's going to be more trails and like, it's not always, I think it's going to be good for the community as a whole to realize that like not everything has to be professionally built, you know, like kind of get back to some of the bandit building or, or, you know, not, not necessarily bandit, but kind of, uh, 
grassroots I, I guess grassroots is the right one yeah so like yeah i mean we right we we've talked about it here on the show too i mean that's a lot of what's going on with people kind of sticking closer to home and, and realizing that they don't have opportunities to ride like they want to ride and that doesn't mean like you need a, a whistler you know in your backyard but you know you can kind of get by and, and have fun and learn skills on a little mini pump track or you know just just a short little little jump run down a hill or something yeah i mean whistler's cool but uh you know that that jump line that you went out and sweated over and slapped the lips yourself down the street you know the neighborhood jump line like you know, there's a lot of pride to be had there. And I think, um, you know, the mountain biking community is a lot bigger than just the mountain bikers themselves. You know, you get over to the, I know a lot of the, a lot of builders, like there's, there's a lot of, a lot of builders out there that aren't really riders, you know, like yeah. mount, mountain biking's hard, you know, like they enjoy the sport, but like, you know, they might not have the time or the body or the, the desire to get in shape and actually ride a lot, but they love to build or they love to cut trail and they love to be in the woods, you know, like, you know, they're just as much part of the mountain biking community in my eyes, you know? So that kind of, I think, you know, having those guys, I think there's going to be a whole new generation of those coming up. Um, more grassroots projects. I think, uh, I really enjoyed, you know, Matt talking about, you know, getting things done in a small town, you know, like there's a lot of opportunity if you, you know, check the ego and, you know, adapt and get creative. Like, you know, there's resources available and there's support available. And, you know, I think it's fantastic. I, I love that. And I love, I love seeing communities do that. And, you know, like that's, that's so important to, to mountain biking as a whole. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, finally, I want to ask you, what's, what's the best part of living on the road and doing what you do for a living? Just one thing, the best, what is number one? Yeah, that's got to be hard to choose. If there's anything about somewhere that I'm at that I decide I don't like or I'm over it, I just go somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) If it gets hot or if it gets too hot or if it gets too cold or if it starts snowing or raining or, you know, like I just I just go somewhere else. Or like if it's, you know, if I get tired of riding flow trail, I go somewhere technical. If I get tired of riding technical, I go somewhere flow trail. You know, it's just that, uh, that freedom to go to wherever is going to hit your buttons, you know? Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thanks for sharing it with us, Jeremiah. This was, uh, really inspiring and I definitely learned a lot. Hopefully our listeners did as well. Thanks for having me, man. That was a blast. I had a lot of fun with it, man. Thanks for having me on there. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. And, um, can I, can I shout out some ninja stuff real quick? Yeah. Ninja mountain bike performance, ride like a ninja.com. We got clinics all over. Um, my lady friend that actually travels with me, she is loading up the schedule now with events. So odds are there's an event coming close. Like I think 2021 is the year of the Joey. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people that bought bikes that, you know, like they're just pumped on mountain biking. And I think, uh, learning things in, uh, you know, an easier way, not having to learn things the hard way, like let us help you have more fun on the bike and, you know, we, we take a lot of pride in it and, you know, we, we want to help do our part to make the mountain bike community better. You know, we like to teach the etiquette, teach the skills, you know, get everybody fired up and get everybody on the right track. So. Yeah. Yeah. And you make a good point that a lot of us, you know, we'll ride for years. It sounds like a lot of the students up until this point are people who have been riding for 10 years before we realize, you know, kind of hit a, 
a wall or whatever in our progression. And yeah, just imagining like if, if you're brand new to the sport, being able to, you know, have the foresight to say, you know what, like I, I'm going to try to do this the right way and like learn skills, um, early on so I can truly enjoy the sport. It seems like a, a great opportunity. Yeah. Just skip the bad habits part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if only I had a time machine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Skip the bad habits, you know, skip the bad habits part. And, um, you know, to all the riders that have already been riding for a long time, I say like, you don't know what you don't know. So yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, we'll have links to Ninja Mountain Bike Performance for those who are interested in learning more in the show notes. And that's all we've got this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Mm-hmm.